All right, everybody, welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show. Very excited to be talking about the Mad Scramble Tour. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Our co-host, JoJo, how are you feeling today? Um, I'm feeling great because uh, I'm finally trading out my, my ping answer for a lab link. We finally got him a lab, and it's been too long. I mean, one, it all it took was Eric to have to scramble with me at Tobacco Road for six, for six holes. <laughs> we had a good time. Yeah, we did you, great. You, you you had more shots than I did. We, I think we was around even. I would imagine we took all your drives. You're generous. That's uh that that was that was how we survived. And yeah. then um I, uh, I no I, we used your drive on the seventh hole. Yeah, well I nattied I nattied the seventh. Natty hole, birdie so, on so, seven. That was so thank good. you for that. But um yeah lab, um I have been missing my putts. Um so I texted Sam and uh and we got a link in hand. Um, the coolest thing about lab is a lot of people talked about the lab on the Mad Scramble tour, and they were like, "Is it hard to get fitted?" And I was like, "Look, literally, it couldn't be easier." It's like that's their whole pitch is that it's like a two minute process with your cell phone, and you'd record a video, and it's free. So if you haven't got a lab putter fitting yet, at least do that. I loved seeing a lot of labs on tour, and we even gave one away in Brooklyn. And that guy, it was like. We gave him eternal life. He was blown away. Gary, did I show you the photo of, of him making the putt? Oh, like he was the moment of it. His veins probably exploded and just gushed blood all over his competitors. <laughs> yeah, he was he was uh stepping outside of his own skin. Labgolf.com slash remote dash fitting. Uh here's a little inside baseball for the podcast. If you send it in and just ask for Jake, he's their master fitter there. Let's go. Um they you know, they don't really tell you to do that or not, but just you know. That's a little, if you know, you know moment. Ask for Jake. Uh, you don't even need a lab to get fit. They'll fit you for any putter. They do it for free. Um, they just want you in the door, and they, they just care about your game. So. And it's over text message. It's really easy. It's as easy as it can be. So labgolf.com slash remote dash fitting. Link is in the description, and we're getting into it. Thanks, JoJo. Thanks, Lab. Thanks, Sam. Looking forward to seeing you guys in a few weeks. Now I'm going to tell one of the most weird stories of my entire life. Get ready. <laughs> Oh man! Welcome to the show, everybody. Sorry, <laughs> I'll be. On, I got to be honest, JoJo. Are you tired? I'm fucking tired. I'm so awake. I feel yesterday the I was awake. Yeah, yesterday you and I came back to Austin. Um, my favorite airport drop of experience I've ever had in my life. I won't <laughs> lie to you. I felt like the airport went to another airport. Getting off of your rolling home and walking into the airport, everyone was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it felt like the an Uber XXXL. <laughs> Uh, for context, we're on this tour bus, right? We're on the Mad Scramble tour. And Eric had this had a really good idea. He was like, we need to get back to the office so that we can get some stuff done because him and I, we both have travel coming up. And so we took the first flight out of Nashville in the morning and we set our alarms for, I set mine for 10 minutes before we were going to get to the airport. <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> and because our tour bus dropped us off at the terminal. So I rolled out of bed and walked into the terminal it felt the closest to teleporting you could possibly have. Yeah, it's very, it's sort of like the, you know, the nicest things are somewhere between homeless and like billionaire. Like it was definitely like I sleeping in my car in the airport parking lot. <laughs> it's such a, that's such a funny way of describing, but it's, it's incredibly accurate. Then our flight, of course, got canceled. So we hung around in the airport. Which Didn't is he? such a, it's a hard thing not to take personally. <laughs> the, the canceled flight, nothing more personal than when I arrived in Austin and I got the text message from American Airlines saying, your gate has been moved again. Oh, wait, you think that American Airlines flight just kept getting delayed? Yeah, I think that they, that pilot really called in a sick day. He was just like, fuck it, <laughs> was, we'll do it live, he, we won't do it live. He stayed out too late on Broadway in Nashville. Um, before we get into the episode, 
I do want you to give me a definitive review of the Nashville airport. Just, just. I'm yawning, folks. I'm sorry. Like, hey, sometimes we tired. You know what I mean? Um, it's been a long month. It's been a long month, but look, this is still gonna be a great podcast. Just because someone's tired doesn't mean someone's not excited. You know, I don't know why I'm speaking in third person. <laughs> it's like who who is tired? Who's someone? <laughs> I'm divorced from myself. Um, the Nashville airport. Yeah. What do you think of it? I mean, look, I'm not a big like negative review guy, but mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of positive marks for the Nashville airport. Um, I will say maybe it has opportunities. It seems like there's a new area of the terminal. Look, the other color that we need to paint here is that I'm coming off of JFK for 10 years. Terrible experience. Yeah. Um, and then LAX. Why is JFK so bad? It shouldn't be bad. Um, it's because it's really old. Why can't? Why is it hard to get into the city from JFK? It's like nine hours. That's that's you the need part a plane that to get to the city. Have you ever um, taken golf? Cl- Taking public transit with golf clubs from JFK. Of course. Yeah. What's up yeah. with the Atlantic Avenue yeah. uh, subway station? It's crazy. They actually have a package where if they if you get on the subway with your clubs, you get a free chiropractor appointment the next day because <laughs> you can fucking hurt yourself. I'm convinced the worst injury I'll ever get is trying to take <laughs> a, a hoodie off in row 30. It's so in the middle true. seat because like you're folding your arms up over your head and then you're going to do this move that your body doesn't want to make, which is like you're extending your arm and then all of a sudden it gets stuck by the window. Um, by the way, you're built different on a Southwest Airlines flight. Eric and I were C-59 <laughs> and 60. I never felt more – I didn't feel betrayed, so to speak, because like, no, it's Southwest. It's every man for himself. Like There, there are no brothers. We were, to be clear – our American Airlines flight was canceled, and yeah. I was like, fuck that. So we booked the Southwest direct flight, which left two hours later, and we were boarding group C58 and 59, which meant that there was only one person that would be boarding after us. I was raised in a neo-Marxist household, but the, I, I'm, I'm a, I might be gone. Like I might be fully no longer a communist because I went up to the checkout person, lady, and I asked, like, how much can I pay to just be any other number? Yeah. And she just said no. She yeah. said, it's too late. You are what you are. Yeah. And uh, your cells we, have already materialized. We were the last ones on the plane. Yeah. And you, you fucking, you somehow sat down in the first aisle of the yeah. plane. Well, no, middle seat. I had a middle seat. Yeah. But it was the, it was, it was row, it was row, row one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, what's the math? There are 60 people in each class, ABC, and then some pre boarding. Yeah. So there's over two, oh, just around 200 people who no. passed up that seat. No, that plane probably had 130 seats. Well, it's A1 through 30 and then A1 through 60, B1 through 30. Yeah, your math is right. It's 180 seats on that podium, but that plane only has – there's no way that plane has 180 seats. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. How many seats does a – hey, Siri. (laughs) How many seats does a Southwest plane have? It's going to be 132. This is a riveting stuff. Apologies for everyone driving right now whose Siri just asked them what's going on because we... 143. 143. Okay, so just under 150 people passed up the seat in the yeah. in row one that you somehow saw as the last person getting on the plane. Yeah, well, I mean, you've heard my Southwest Airlines story, right? I don't think so. Shit. Are you allowed to tell it on the podcast? It's major NSFW. Okay, we're going to... we're gonna I'll tell it. You can bleep we're, it We're going to mark it and... Um, and just pronouns. Just yeah. use all pronouns. No nouns. Okay. Uh, nouns wouldn't even help. I don't even know the names. 
<laughs> I can't believe I've never told you the story. I've told you the story. Is it the Vegas story? No. You mean the recent one? Yeah. The, no, this okay. is years ago. Okay. <laughs> All right. Guys, we're really happy to be back in the podcast booth. Okay. So my ex-girlfriend invited me to go on a cruise with her family. Okay. And I was like, cool, whatever. Like, we were friends. Mm -hmm. And so I flew from L.A. to Houston, where she, where the, where the, where the cruise ship was, yeah. you know, embarking mm -hmm. from. Went on the cruise, whatever. And it was the first time I had flown Southwest. And I did the thing where I was last in line, and I kept thinking I'd find a better seat. Oh, so you kept moving back to the back of the plane. Yeah. And I was like, that was terrible. I sat in the last row middle. And I was like, this is unquestionably the worst seat on the plane. And I know I saw better seats back there, but it's too late. Yeah, you pass them up. And yeah. you can't go against the flow of traffic. No, no. So on my way home, back to Los Angeles, I was like, I am taking the first seat I see on this motherfucker. <laughs> You're such a man of extremes. <laughs> So I get on the plane, uh -huh. and of course, it's the same exact seat I took when you and I got on the plane. Okay. Yeah. Uh, row uh, one, a -E, one, one E. Yeah. Row one, the seat eight, one, one E. One yeah. E, yeah. And I sat down, and as soon as I sat down, I like, realized I was sitting next to two beautiful women. And um, <laughs> I can't believe we're recording this. <laughs> and basically, um, the the flight, like... We, we started talking or whatever, and, you know, they were very different women. They didn't know each other. They were not friends. Okay. Um, one of them was more like a, like, librarian type. I see. Bookish. Bookish, yeah. Mm -hmm. Young. Like, we were all around the same age. Yeah. And then the other one was the uh, exact opposite of a bookish type. Yeah. Like, more of a... Uh, more of a new age uh, Instagram influencer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe... Genetic enhancements. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we, like, we take off. It's a beautiful sunset. Mm -hmm. We're all looking at the sunset. We're chatting. And then... This is the north side of the plane? Uh, we were on the north side of the plane. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. You know, the right side of the plane heading west. And, um, you know, basically... <laughs> I, I just can't believe I'm telling this story <laughs> on a microphone. Look, here's what here's the deal. Just you know, maybe just skip through the the details. It's fine. Here's the deal. I'll just tell the story. Like it's it's a funny story, and it's me as like a 25 year old kid, okay. right? And um, at some point, like the the girl to my left, the bookish girl, she kind of falls asleep, and the girl to my right, we're like really chatting and having a good time. We're connecting, and um, she kind of does that thing where she starts touching my forearm. Yeah, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay, like yeah. yeah, cool. Like maybe we'll exchange numbers. And then at some point, an idea got lodged into my head that was very, very bold of an idea. Yeah. And uh, the idea was that, like, maybe we could make out on the plane, mm -hmm. you know? And um, it seemed like, at the time, the best way to share that idea was just bluntly. Yeah, just tell her. Just factual. Mm -hmm. You know, just a factual situation, right? Um, so yeah, I looked over at her and I was like, Hey, um, <laughs> the, the words were verbatim. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the back. I'm going to go to the bathroom right now. And if you want to join me, that, that could be fun. So this is a long walk. Yeah. We're in the front row. Yeah. And you're, so we're walking all the way, all to the, the way to the back. Well, because in my head I was looking around and I was like, everyone's staring at the front bathroom. No, that's, I totally agree. Yeah. The front bathroom was a no go. You couldn't do, you took two seats next to each other. Couldn't 
not be non-existent in the front bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be tough. Mm. Uh, and she looked at me and was sort of like equal parts offended, but curious. <laughs> and she goes, what did you just say? And then I had to repeat myself. And I said, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And if you want to come with me, it, it could be fun. And she started laughing. And she was like, I can't believe you just said that to me. And that's when I was like, fuck, did I might get slapped. How many hours left in this plane there? <laughs> just, just, I just want to ask. Like, Very point? valid question. Um, this is like probably probably a good chunk. Probably halfway. Probably, probably an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. And uh, she sort of like measures the 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 potential opportunity, and then she goes, "Fuck it." Okay. So we get up, and, and we. And I'm sorry. Was she window seat or aisle seat? She was window. Okay. <laughs> Just a little added, you know. <laughs> more 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 country to cross. Yeah. Right? So then we step over the librarian, and we're and we're walking back. And then as we're walking back, what's we get the to, distance between y'all on the walk back? Well, see, that's what's funny is right around the exit row, she spanked me. She slapped my ass. She just kept it, she just kept it tight. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, then we, we make it back. There's no one back there. We both go in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. We start making out. What world is this? You were like in in the on the flight on the way here. I was sitting basically <laughs> right here. My head was, was sitting resting. against this bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Look at how far I've come. And then we're like, we're like making out and she's very attractive. Yes. Like, like at this point in my life, she's probably one of the most attractive people I've ever like, you know, uh, made out with or whatever. And, um, I cannot you know. believe you're telling the story on the podcast. Right? Hey, whatever. I mean, I think it's like, it's okay. It's you know fine. I mean? Yeah, it's fine. Like, like it's, it's me. It's just me. It's true. And, and that's what we do here. Yeah. And this is only the first time this has happened. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's around, it was around multi-city flight. So I actually did meet a girlfriend on a plane years later. I've told you that story, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I've done the meet cute on the... It's the, something about the tiny flying village. It's the lack of oxygen or the... Mm. Maybe there's too much oxygen. Yeah, there might be pressurized yeah. situation. So in a pill, contemplating everything about your life, yeah. past, present, and future. Anyway, so we're in the bathroom and, um, you know, things are going well. Things are moving along. And uh, all of a sudden... Hard knock. Yeah, there's only one person allowed in the bathroom at a time. Someone says this to you. Yeah, and it's the flight attendant. Through the fissure of the uh, push-pull bathroom yeah. seal. Yeah, and it's very clear that if we don't get out, we're essentially breaking like federal law. Yeah, and you're, you're in kind of a compromised position probably to be zip-tied on the floor of an airplane. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, well, it's also just like, you know, juice you, squeeze. You don't you know? need like, that, yeah. At this point, at this point, it's already happened. Like sure. I, it, this, it, it's sort of like you know. I mean, like at this point, the adventure had already taken place. Sure, yeah. You know, it wasn't. Who exits the bathroom first? I did. That's the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, I was also like, I think ladies first sure. in, and then mm -hmm. you can't really, you know, do si do inside of a Southwest yeah. airplane. Yeah. Which, by the way, um, I smaller, I'd say, than the average airplane bathroom. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been in some larger airplane bathrooms. Yeah, I mean, it was, that was part of the adventure. You know what I mean? It was a challenge. Anyway, so we get out of the bathroom and the flight attendant. What's the face? You know what I mean? The flight attendant, it, he was um, not on our side. I see. Yeah, he was very. there's a version of this where he's like. Well, and that's, that's what's about to happen. So then we walk all the way back to the front of the plane 
and um, I'm walking first. I mean, it's a long walk. It's not a walk of shame. <laughs> it is a long walk. Yeah. Luckily, I'm not looking anyone in the face during the walk. But anyway, we walk back, and I sit down, row, seat 1E. I'm staring right at the two female flight attendants in the front, and they're kind of smiling. And uh, I just made eye contact with them, and I shrugged. <laughs> just a little Michael Jordan shrug. Yeah, I just shrugged, and uh, and they start laughing. And they said, we would have been okay with it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that is why I always sit in seat 1E. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the origin of just taking the first seat available. Yeah, you figured out Southwest Air- Airline travel. Okay. I wonder even if our flight was canceled yesterday, you were just rolling the dice, just <laughs> throwing us on a Southwest. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I've, I've, uh, I don't know, do you, like, you must have some stories like that. If you're listening to the podcast and you have a story like that, I want to hear it. I, I certainly do. I, I think maybe we'll just do one an episode, so I'll, I'll save mine. We'll read it anonymously, but, but like, like oh, what's the criteria for the story? We like, should get people to send in some, like, real confession shit. Yeah, send in some interesting stories. Yeah. Like, like did you, have you done something on a golf course that was illegal? Have you, like, you know, like, I mean, this is kind of a confession, like, this is this is therapy for for me for a lot of respects. This podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, e- email me jojo at randomgolfclub.com if you if you done anything crazy. Um, I promise that we'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep you totally anonymous. Yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, it's dear Abby. Yeah, a little a dear, dear a little dear Jojo on the podcast. That'd be a that'd be a fun segment. And and yeah, leave a review of the Eric Anders Lang show on Spotify or Apple. Yeah, uh, review that shit. Really helps us out. You can apparently you can even say mean things. It'll help us out. Yeah, I mean, you know, the show's free for you guys, right? We're used to y'all saying mean things anyway on the comments. So gotta say, um yeah, welcome work. welcome in to the partners. Yeah. Abercrombie, Uni, Promaster, and Turtlebox. You guys all made this Mad Scramble tour possible. And I just want to say a minute about how awesome it was to be out there with you if you came, obviously. But like hearing your experiences of like, you know, playing golf, interacting with the content, listening to the podcast, like it meant a lot. I think it it meant a lot to me. I'm assuming it meant a lot to you, Jojo. Tremendous amount. Yeah. Honestly, every single meetup to have people come up, you know, sometimes people would come up and and say things like, wow, you know, you're older or younger than you expected. Oh, interesting. I had someone come up and tell me that they, you know, I reminded them of Nathan Fielder. So I took that with a grain of salt. Good guy. But uh, in general, everyone was just very, very genuine. And, you know, we're going to get some questions from the um, from some members who are in the app right now. Get in the app. Which you can just, if you ever want to just directly talk to us, um, I'm always in there. Eric's in there. I'm um, in there. Yeah, you're, you're in there. You're in there I'm right in there. now. Yeah. Did you post your top five? My top five. Yeah, movie racks. Ooh, is that going on in the app right now? I started it last night. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get in there. It's got like hundreds of comments. You mine could, were, can you guess what mine were? Yeah, I can. I mean, I don't think I have to guess what yours were. <laughs> I think I can just tell you what yours were. Yeah. Five in order, five top movie racks. Yeah. Um, Casino Royale. Yep. Uh, About Time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one too? Uh, you got a, do you have a golf movie in there? No. Okay. Um, can I get a hint as to what genre some of the other ones might be in? Do you have a sports movie one in there? Um. <clears throat> no sports you, movie. One a, of them we just saw. Okay, Groundhog Day. I elevated that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's raised a little higher than yeah. I, I would have thought otherwise. Yeah. Um, do you have like a Kubrick or a, a Tarantino nope. or a Hitchcock? There's only in there? two left, and one of them is a hundred years old. 
Oh yes, a wonderful, a wonderful life. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful life. Yep. And then there's one more left. I'm, f- I'm doing fucking amazing. You're crushing it. <laughs> You're crushing it. There's one more left, and it's uh, written and directed and starring one of my favorite comedians. Written, directed, and starred, starring one of your favorite comedians. Um, he did all of it. He wrote it. He directed it, and he starred in it. Is it? Oh, man. That's this one's gonna this one's gonna bother me then. Is a stand up comedian? Yep. And it's is it it's not like Eddie Murphy or someone like that? Nope. It's a narrative film. It's a narrative it's film. about a place that I love. About a place? It's about New York City in some respects? No. Nope. It's about all right. I mean I don't wanna I don't wanna waste the audience's time. What's the comedian? Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Written directed. It's not Roxanne. He didn't he didn't write or direct that. Close. L.A. Story. L.A. Story. Yeah. And you've never seen it, have you? I've never seen it. You would love it. Yeah. There's Shakespeare in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there it's a rom-com. Okay. I'm and gonna, it's cool. I'm going to get in the app right after this pod. And, and if, you, you, if you're listening right now, go in there and uh, let us know your favorite movies. But I, I have some picks of my own. Groundhog Day on the bus, man. That was good. Wow. Yeah. That was great. We were in a truck stop diner the next morning, entering Nashville, the final day of the tour. And, and we're going to get into that in a couple minutes, what happened on that day. But I don't think you, either you or I were prepared to be as touched by the film because we watched it because three people on the bus had never seen it before. Yeah. And then I think it hit a little differently this time around. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, but we watched it jokingly because... We've been doing the same thing over and over and over again for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But what meaning did you get from the film? Um, I mean, backing up, you know, like going on the Mad Scramble tour was an interesting experience because I think I told you this before we watched Groundhog Day, which was that, you know, um, I'd give away everything to just do that to just go and do events and just like be in person with people. There's, there's a world of virality on social media that Mm -hmm. exists for companies that use marketing to create a business. And there's a world where that's very impersonal. Yeah. And, um, you're looking at metrics and algorithms and screens and you're not interfacing with the thing that you got into in the first place, which is a game that uses, you know, your, your body and your mind, and your emotions and you play it on grass in front of trees and you play with a person and it's, it's tactile. And so, you know, like I love making videos and I love like creating content and I love recording the podcast, but I really just love golf. And yeah, there was a point on the trip where I was like, man, like it'd be a smaller vision, but if, if something happened, and I had to start over. I you would just, start doing that? I would go back to the very beginning. I would get a Volvo wagon and I would just put it up on social that I'm going to be here and let's all play golf, you know? And it would just be, it would just be golf, you know? When we were going through Charlotte and, and some of those states on the Eastern Seaboard, did you have those flashbacks to the RTJ trail, sunset tea times, golf oh, yeah. course to golf course? Many times throughout it because what we're also... You know, I've obviously like come a long way from that guy who like did that in the beginning. Like on some level, I've experienced golf things that most people don't get to. 
And so it is hard to like sometimes like just remember how golf used to be uh, so different for me. You know, a lot of people on the trip were saying, hey, I just got a job in golf. Does that I'm noticing it changing my relationship to golf. Has it changed yours? And I'm like, absolutely it's changed mine. I mean, yeah. the only way I like for me now, like a round of golf for me now is playing golf with 100 people. You know, um, it's not necessarily 18 holes and like measuring my score or something like that. Or, but um, but yeah, no, I, I got I got glimpses of that. I mean, obviously, let, let me just close out the Groundhog Day analogy. But basically, it was this experience of playing with other people. I I believe in this in this environment for me is such a great breath away from the day to day job of running a, a golf business, a golf brand, and. Um, it really got at the tender essence of my why, which is all I've wanted since the beginning, which is to, you know, like engage with other humans yeah. and, and love golf together and like, and like make it a peak experience together and, um, you know, watch that ebb and flow. And, and, and that's the ultimate summation for me of Groundhog Day, which is that, He's basically spending most of his life and most of this repetitive day, which you said is some version of five or 10 years of just living the same day over and over again. And the only way he makes it out of it is <clears throat> by seeing past himself and by seeing into others and, and taking care of the old man. And I was thinking about that since we had this conversation. And I almost wonder if by doing all these things for others and you put it best, honestly, because you said, wow, he made the day as long as possible. Mm. Like, it, which is interesting because... You know, he didn't just like try to make it. He goes through this this very sad stretch of the film where he tries to make it as fast as possible. Tries to, get, tries to get out of the day as quickly yeah. as quickly. And of course, that's that's like the old Buddha story of the guy who's running in place and he can't go any faster or slower than than how the universe intends for him to go. Yeah. Um, by packing it in with as many things to do, I also wonder if that's what allows him to experience what other people are experiencing. Mm which is like his only way almost to get outside of himself and get outside of the day. Yeah. Which is, of course, every conversation I got to have while we were on tour. And every single time, you know, I would, I, you know, I don't really take my clubs to these because I'm doing other things. But every time I went up to someone and asked if I could use their club or can you throw me a ball or something like that, you you almost take a, a little bit of a step in someone else's shoes. And, yeah. And you see their experience of this and then all of a sudden it's fresh and new again. Yeah. Which is which is very special. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And then, you know, you kind of have this like, um, it's, it's like, I will say a funny thing about the meetups that I didn't, that I can share here that I've kind of like understood, which is, um, you know, I, on the fourth or fifth meetup, I remember expressing like, or, or having a feeling of like, oh man, like, I didn't intend for this to be like, you know, um, the Eric show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like th this is a community event. This is random golf club. This is us all playing golf together. And like, we're all just kind of hanging out as equals. And I remember there was a time where I was like, man, like I didn't really come here to talk about the videos that we make, but yet people wanted to say, dude, the Northwood video is amazing. I want to go there. And I think I realized at some point that, you know, that's not all that's just number one that's just the first tether and so then it became like really fun for me to be like oh cool man i appreciate that thanks what's your life like 
Like, who are you? Like, tell me about golf. Like, what do you know about golf? Like, what do you care about? When did you get into it? You know, and that really made the event so much more fun and similar to, I guess, Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. <laughs> if I were to go through the event and be like, oh, yeah, which video did you like best? Yeah, what's your favorite quality? <laughs> tell me, what do you think, uh, what would you want to see more on the apparel side? Like, yeah. that's just really self-centered shit, you know? And like, I don't know, like I never, if you've listened to this podcast, you should know by now that I never got into this to like be on camera or be on a microphone. It's just sort of like happened. But yeah, the meetups really got alive for me. And like, they really became like, um, just vibrant, you know, because then all of a sudden it's like we're all characters in this sort of one thing that we're also a witness to. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Um, before we go to a break and then we talk about Nashville, I did want to get through the two or three of the of the questions we got the most from our members, um, which, you know, I think are just important. Uh, like, for instance, actually Marco. Marco from D.C. Marco, what up, Marco? Marco's in the app. Marco asked, will the Mad Tour, Scramble Tour be coming to California? And six or seven other people asked, when's the next one? Where will it be? Um, I'll let you take this one. Uh, all I know is I'm just happy to be back in my own bed Yeah, for the first time again last night. One night in the books. Yeah. Uh, one night in the box. Um, yeah, next Mad Scramble Tour is going to be Southwest, right? It's going to be Vegas and Arizona. It's going to be SoCal. Probably make our way up to NorCal. If the weather's okay, maybe we'll head over to Salt Lake. Um, it's going to be shorter. It's probably going to be no more than two weeks. There'll be some days off. There'll be some filming. There'll be some swimming. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there'll also be more events in those larger areas. So in Chicago, we did two events. We'll probably have three events in LA. Maybe we'll do a special event, like a tournament or something. That several people asked, by the way. Yeah. Um, we had a, we had a question from, uh, well, a lot of people, a lot of people ask this, but you know, Peter set a suitor or souter, I believe when he, he's a RGC Seattle, uh, had a, a tournament against RGC Vancouver. Yeah. Our friend Sean. Ryder cup. Yeah. That's awesome. And they had a Ryder cup border battle and he was asking, um, maybe there could be a day event next year where chapters play each other and scrambles go against each other. And then someone else asked about what we can do if to make the events longer. Yeah. Well, I, and, and that's absolutely something that's in our, in our working book of next steps and there's a big plan there that you know we need to do some work on um but yeah something along those lines for sure most importantly the next leg we're very excited for it and and we're going to make it as accessible as possible for as many people to come out to these these events and and really do them as best as we can we learned a lot yeah from this first leg yeah i don't think it can be stressed when i called all these golf courses to book them i said we've been doing this for years we know what we're doing. Please let us do this. And that was true, but it was also not true because we had never done this before. Yeah. And now we have. Yeah. What do you think is like the the biggest learning you've taken from from the not not from the tour itself, you know, obviously that's always going to be the people we talk to, but from doing the tour. The logistics of yeah. it. Um the biggest learning was, um, or what was the hardest part? What was the hardest part for you? I know what mine was. The hardest part for me was developing a rhythm to my like homeostasis, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you can't like go into a meetup after being in a virtual meeting, right? Um, you have to have nutrition at a certain level you have to be hydrated at a certain level 
you know, and you have to have like it's it's a it's a football game, right? It's a game. Like yeah. y- you have to have plays that you're ready for. And so for me, it took like a week, maybe a little longer, to really get into that. For me, the biggest learning was it, it really. I mean, you're you were asking for logistical learning. The logistical learning is just like you know, find a great course in a city, yeah, and bring 150 people out and just like light the match that that's what we need to do and i think in some cases we picked places where it was like oh we could have maybe picked a place where more people could have come because it'd be more logistically easier to find but outside of that the biggest learning was that um i learned about random golf club which was really interesting you know i learned like who we are and for me that was like really not even like not not saying like in a spreadsheet or a demographic or anything like that. I just learned like what makes us tick. And if if, if anything was the takeaway, it was that Mad Scramble Tour, yes, and more. Do more. Figure out a way to have a bus going around all year round, creating this experience, the random golf club experience, right? That is truly unlike anything I've ever experienced. And even after 21 days in a row, I was missing it on the 22nd. You know, I was like, man, why? I was like, I want to play golf with hundred people. We're doing it tonight, but you know. Yeah, we, in fact, we're, we're recording this and going to head straight over to the meetup after it. Uh, one more question before break, I, just because I, I yeah. saw this and, and I had an answer, but I was really curious about yours. This is from James and a couple other people asked this as well. What stop, not that you weren't looking forward to, but what stop over exceeded your expectations the most? Uh, Detroit. Really? Yeah. Detroit. Yeah. Well, Detroit was a beautiful golf course, mm-hmm. Rouge Park. Um, the pro was really sweet. Uh, Karen, Pete, she was great. And um, the crowd was great, you know, the, the vibe. Um, but also it rained, which. Oh, that was the washout, right? Yeah. The last two holes were a deluge. I mean, just like immediate soaking wet. And um, that is a special thing, right? That's an asterisk. You know, it's rained at two meetups out of 50. They are special. They are immediately in a special category on that, like, emotional spreadsheet. Um, The rain really proves how fucking awesome it is. (laughs) Yeah. Because you just start smiling more weirdly. It, something about the group mentality of everyone's toughing it out, yeah. just, it just gives you this sense of community of like, oh, yeah, of course we can go out here and do it. Yeah. Like someone's going to stop us. Well, it's a little rain. It starts to really feel like a game as well Yeah, in that context. Well, I've had a couple of experiences like running in the rain, playing pickleball in the rain, swimming in the rain. Yeah, warm rain, by the way. Warm rain, oh, you yeah. can do anything in. It was. It was actually a little chilly, to be fair, but whatever. <laughs> it was fine. Like that did make it a little less fun. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, that was, God, I mean, I'll never forget so many of those experiences. For me, it was Charlotte. Interesting. Yeah, not that I wasn't expecting Charlotte. It was just being one of the last stops on the tour. Yeah. I thought at that point I would be, you know, pretty dead. Yeah. And um, instead, we, we arrive at what I thought was an absolutely beautiful golf course. Stunning. It was also very hard to book Charlotte, and so we ended up at this Muni. And it was just, it was very sloping. There were some beautiful holes. Yeah. Yeah. That the GM there, Chris, 
was just a gem. Yeah. He was he was riding ahead on every hole, yeah. making the tee boxes as wide as possible. Brought out water. Brought out water. Yeah. Um, and then there was this giant cloud formation. Oh God, that was crazy. On the uh, seventh hole that kind of rose behind all the golfers. And you really did feel like you were living in some sort of cloud atlas, cloud city, Bespin vibes. Yeah. That uh, that kind of overtook me. And then you and I spent a long time on the eighth green after the sun had gone down. We had this prime lens that, that we could shoot in the in the dark. And it's going to be probably the last scene in, in the film we make about the tour. But it kind of a moment of exaltation. Yeah. Um, before the last putt on the ninth on the ninth hole, it was a very special time. Yeah, that was awesome. The uh, there were moments there that were just extra special. Nature combined. I think also we played Tobacco Road that morning. Oh yes, of course. And there was something special about just like playing. A, we got up at six thirty or six earlier, yeah, which is earlier than we normally did. We got our exercise in like good dogs, you know, and then we all ate, took big naps, and then we were energized for the meetup in a way where it just it was just. Yeah, I mean, it's so much of it is like the the local group of people that love golf too. They represent the vibe of the event, not me, not you, not the brand of Random Golf Club. Yep. I mean, certainly there's some things that like filter down, but like, you know, the energy of the community, you see, I saw commonalities throughout the whole tour of places being slightly different. Pittsburgh was also really fun. Boston. New York City. My parents came to the New York City one. That was awesome. Um, your family came out. Yeah, I mean, it was just great. It was just great. Uh, uh, there's no other way to say it. We got to do it again. Uh, we got to run it back immediately. We we have to go to break, but uh, oh, we'll get a break. We'll come. We'll come right back with taking a break. The ace. The ace. All right, folks. So got a new announcement here from Prize Picks, which is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, also known as DFS. DFS. Love a good acronym. Dearly for sure. Dude for sure. Daily Fantasy Sports, also known as Dude for Sure platform in North America. Uh, they are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. Again, Daily Fantasy Sports, not Dude for Sure. It's just you against the numbers. What's cool about uh, Prize Picks is that it's actually skill based. And so you're not, it's not like luck. Basically, um, you get to test your skills uh, this football season, actually, which is the most exciting way to play. And what's really cool is it's simple. You can select your picks and submit the entry in less than 60 seconds. Folks, you all know that is about a minute. And that's not a lot of time. You know, we don't. Time is the one thing that we can't buy, but with prize picks, you can't buy time. But anyway, go to prizepicks.com slash show and use the code show for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash show and use the code show for a first deposit matchup for $100. Dude, for sure, Daily Fantasy Sports. Yeah, I mean, the craziest thing I've ever seen on a golf course, for sure, Brant Martin. <laughs> Ace in Nashville. You know, like, I can't, like, getting a hole-in-one with three people watching? Special. Electric. Mm -hmm. Most people don't get one. 
getting on one with a hundred people watching <laughs> and then being lifted up on the shoulders of the crowd of strangers, your first one, it just, I don't know, man. You can't write it. Do you think he's come down from it yet? I don't know. I doubt it. He's been texting me ever since. <laughs> <laughs> he, he posted a comment on Instagram that said, um, ticket to a random golf club mad scramble event, $40. Getting hole in one in front of a hundred strangers, priceless. <laughs> <laughs> you were there. You were right next to him. I was standing right next to I him. I was looking through a fucking little drone monitor 30 yeah. yards away. Talk to me. What was it like? Yeah, so it's funny because during the Mad Scramble Tour, like I'm always a little nervous that like on par threes, I won't be watching the ball that goes in. And luckily, the two hole outs we had, I watched the full swing and the full ball flight. Um, this one, Branson lefty, I was standing like right behind him and at right before he like teed it up, someone said to me, Hey, so like no one's had a hole in one on this tour yet. And I was like, no, no one's had a hole in one yet. And at this point we're on the sixth hole of like the last day on a par three course. So there's like essentially four more shots for that event. And then Austin obviously, but Riverside doesn't have too many gettable par threes. This felt like the day. So yeah, I was like, no, whatever. And then I turn around and like Brant just stripes one and it was just on the flag. And I was like, it, at its apex, I was like, whoa, that looks good. And then it just, and it was a beautiful par three too, because the green was about 20 feet or 20, 30 feet below us. So we could see everything. We could see all the balls. We could see how they were breaking. We could see what was happening. And his ball just hit once and then just jammed into the cup. And it was an immediate elation. Like it was like, it was kind of like, I, I wish we had like, um, you know, some type of like neuro monitor mm -hmm. or like, you know. Dopamine sensor. Yeah. Like, like, cause immediately everything went from blue to red, you know, or like whatever, like black to green. Like it was absolutely electric. And yeah, I was right there sitting next to him immediately just bear hugged the guy. And he's kind of a. He's, he's a kinda, unit. Yeah, he's a unit. And, and I was the one that was like, pick him up. So I grabbed his left leg and I was like, I need help. Like, and then and then like someone on the other side got him and we got him up. And uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Like I just I've I've seen a few things in my life that have just superseded, you know, uh any type of normal expectation of reality. And this is absolutely one of them. There was a moment after when he called his dad. Oh, man. Well, first he called his wife. And um, she was the one that, you know, told him to go to the event. And he was like, I got a hole in one. And she was like, that's great. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and then I was like, call your dad. <laughs> I asked him to call his dad. I wanted to hear what his dad had to say. And he called his dad and his dad answered and, you know, he was like, yeah, I'm playing in this event. And his dad goes, did you win? And Brant goes, no, I got a hole in one. And his dad just goes, I'm so proud of you, son. And then Brant said, uh, yeah, uh, it's amazing. And his dad said, well, I love you. And then just, you know, that was the end of the call. Like that, 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 what else are you going to say? Just the Southern gentleman yeah. nature of, of that relationship. Yeah. There was some element, like I wish I could have seen his dad because there was some element of this, like, like it, it's almost like when something really has gravity, you get quiet. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if that's what Brand did. I mean, I didn't get quiet, but like <laughs> I'd also been waiting for it. I was like a fucking shotgun. There's footage of him. 
I have of him talking to Cam sitting on the bench behind nine, last hole of the day, and he's just holding the club that he got the ace with, <laughs> and he doesn't look—he doesn't look happy. He looks <laughs> bewildered and withdrawn, and people kept coming up to him like you know, paying their respects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little fist bump here. The man in his club. And he just, and he looks over to me on the camera and he just, you can just see a universe in his eyes. <laughs> like, he, like, I don't know, I don't know how to put it, but the the roller coaster of emotions that he must have felt, and we have footage of it too, of his, of his eyes when he notices the ball's about to go in the cup. Yeah. Well, we were talking about Groundhog Day earlier and... I'm not saying that I saw this necessarily in Brandt, but Groundhog Day is an example of quiet desperation, right? And it's an example of selfish living that leads to suffering, right? The more we focus on ourselves, the more we focus on our problems, our goals, our needs, our resentments, how people are offending us, how the world isn't working out, the more me energy there is, the less energy there is. Because you're you're consuming everything in and of yourself, and that's Bill Bill Murray, Phil Connors' story in Groundhog Day. And I think on some level, in the world, there there I've been there, right? There is a lot of that energy in the world, right? And um, I've been part of many different theologies and practices and things to exit that, right? And I'm and I'm clear of that. Um, but there is a lot of that just existing. And, and, and if you look around, that's everywhere you go. And that's why I think, you know, if we can just like take a moment here and just like zoom out, right? Like, first of all, nothing's personal, right? If you can go to the golf course and just use the golf course as one example, hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for checking me in. Thank you for taking care of the golf course. The greens look beautiful, Yeah. right? Thank you, Marshall. You're doing a great job at keeping people on pace of play, right? This idea that there's an opponent in the world, that things are happening for you, not to you. That's the main flow. And so when things happen to you, it's a selfish energy, it's a negative energy, and it leads to this like Groundhog Day experience of dissatisfying life. And that can happen for a lot of different reasons. For me, it happened through addiction, right? Like, I was a hungry ghost. It's a Buddhist term that means that all I was trying to do was fill up my life with a feeling of other than, you know, suffering. I've never heard that before. Yeah. It's basically like you experience anything negative and you'll fill it up with anything else that is that, whether it's a substance, whether it's sex, whether it's shopping, whatever it is, it's that you're just a hungry ghost. And obviously, a hungry ghost can never actually be satisfied. Yeah. So this idea of like, looking at golf as an opportunity to escape that and say, hey, what's your name? I'd love for you to join us. What's that going to be like? How did you get into golf? Why do you love golf? Who taught you golf? You know, Or, hey, you never played golf? Come try it with me. I'd love to donate some of my experience in the game of golf to help you get into this wonderfully rich game that can teach you all sorts of human lessons about humility, about patience, about the world. It's the most international game in the world. right? What happened with Brandt was interesting because I think he had a different version of this sadness that we all experience. Yeah. You know, golf's a very lonely game. Life is a very lonely game. At Random Golf Club, it doesn't have to be. We really make an effort to make sure that it's not. Brant's mom died just a matter of months ago. Obviously untimely. Brant's in his early 30s. 
he brought her up to me and I have a feeling like if I may, I think as soon as he got the hole in one, all he thought about was her because on some level, grief and loss is all about not having someone to celebrate with. And as any young person knows, right, when we're brought into this world, it's our mother that did it. It's our mother that takes care of us. It's our mother that feeds us. And so this concept of, for him, I'm assuming, if I may, right, like I, this may yeah. not be true, but what I'm getting at is this experience of sadness of being a human is literally part and parcel just as golf is an experience of incompetence of frustration of bad bounces of not controlling the golf ball of playing in the wind of long tee times whatever it is yeah. like or or in not controlling when that that shot is going to happen <laughs> you yeah. can't control a hole in one yeah. that's why it's so magical yeah. and so if you were to even zoom out further and talk about the universe and looking at brant like brant showed up he was optimistic right brant was clearly called to show up to this event he wasn't going to go his wife told him to go the other woman in his life i mean like it's kind of magical, right, how that stuff occurs. And I think Random Golf Club may be a lot of things. It may be shirts. It may be hats. It may be videos. It may be podcasts. It may be a discount on Arcos. It may be a great whatever. What I think it really is is it's an escape from your old life yep. into a new way of living. It's a space to allow something magic to happen. Yeah. And we just basically book the course and we bring a speaker and we say, hey, we're going to play a little bit different. Yeah, and if you think about it like that, we, we really, like you and I, we're, we're actually, and we know this already, but we're, we're very unimportant in, yeah. the, in the grand scheme of, it, it's these people from a local community of golfers that creates the club, which I know is like yeah. saying the obvious, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is the randomness of the golf club. Yeah. But- that is the membership of the golf club is it's real people meeting each other possibly for the first time. Well, what's so funny is like none of them have met, yeah. which almost seems like preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the function of the event, right? It's for you to mate and socialize and watch something happen that is a peak experience, that is an escape from that sort of like quiet desperation that we have typically on the golf course. I mean, why did we love SB2K? The Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, JT, and, and yeah. uh, you know, why, why did we love them going to Baker's Bay so much? You know, in their bathing suits, hitting, like standing on each other's shoulders. Oh, no, I see what you mean. We loved it because they were living. Mm -hmm. They were creative. They were experimenting. They were involved in each other's games, and they were laughing. We're used to seeing them wearing a belt and caring about score. And for some reason, we get into golf and feel like as amateurs, we need to emulate that. Man, yeah, we I, need to we need to stare at our club after we miss a putt. That yeah, I mean, the tour I'm a, make percentage is five percent. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a fan of the PGA Tour. Like, I'm a fan of whatever. Like, like they they gave me the opportunity to get into this. But if someone asked me for a swing tip early on, and it was like not about their swing, I would say don't watch pro golf. <laughs> I would say like uh, go like find people that you care about because that's what's going to keep you in the game. No, no score will keep you in the game. Anyway, I mean, it's might be a diversion, but like ultimately, um, you know, this 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 Groundhog Day is really valid because this idea of what can you bring to golf? Because you know, and and dusting off what one of the things that we talked about at every meetup was this idea that 
we've inherited a game. That game was built by another group of people that is a generation previous. Yeah, a couple of generations, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you can go all the way back. Well, unfortunately, the Scottish game is closer to the real game than the game that our, you know, the boomers invented in the America. intermediate game of target golf, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, like, card paths and, you know, like, Scots don't drink on the golf course. They drink after the round. They play a real match and they get into it. They play in three hours. Boom. They don't care what tees they play from and their dog is with them and they're walking. America, it's like a totally different game, right? And like, I'm not saying I'm not a fan of the American game. I'm saying that it has shifted. I'm saying I'm a fan of the Scottish game. I feel yeah. comfortable saying that. I love it. And we're basically playing the closest version. Like, uh, funny, like the funny thing is like we're six holes in and some guy's like, man, I'm tired. I'm like, you okay? He's like, I don't walk. I'm like, dude, we've walked a mile. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But like, don't forget, by the way, that we do this thing now. And if you came up with this, I wasn't there for it. Excellent idea. We're now in the par threes, everyone throws a ball down and putts. Yeah. Well, how similar to that is like the old community putting greens on the yeah. co- on the coast Himalayas, of Scotland. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? The, that wasn't my idea. That was a that was a sixty year old guy in Kansas City. That's how it happens. Former military, and he just said to me uh, between the fifth and the sixth hole, he said, "You know, it'd be cool." Everyone on par threes putts. And I was like, we're going to try the next hole. And it was amazing. So this goes into this Ouija board experience where it's like, again, I'm just here to show up and just like conduit, take down your questions, take down (laughs) your answers, take down your ideas. The whole random golf club is the definition of, I know how I want to feel at the end of the day or at the end of my life. However we get there, help me decide. I know what I, I know what it's like. I don't know what it is. And just to sum up that last little piece of this generational gap in golf, clearly golf is changing. Tip of the iceberg, folks. Like we have a lot more to go. And as we get to the next game, the game that we're going to deliver to that next generation that's five and 10 years old or not even born yet, they're going to get a game that's very different. And it's up to us to make sure that that game fits into what we care about right we're going to talk about like sustainable golf courses like that that should be a priority that should be a law you know what i mean like uh we're going to talk about like you know creating courses that are more accessible like and i don't even just mean like in cost i mean like in the width of the fairway like in austin we've got a great handful of like really accessible golf courses we've got a a three-hole pitch and putt We've got a nine-hole pitch and putt, and we've got a nine-hole executive course. Those are my three favorite courses in Texas. You know what I mean? And you could play all of them in one day combined for like $16. And, you know, that to me is the future of golf. You know, we don't need more real estate-developed private golf courses, even though those will continue to happen because, you know, there's money there. But I think one of the things we need to do is start focusing on bringing new people out into the game, making them feel comfortable within it, and just through our decisions, helping the golf industry understand what we want. People, the, the grow the game mindset is a business uh, objective that was launched by a couple dozen golf brands that wanted to release two drivers a year instead of one. Yeah, and when they say grow the game, well, it's really one number that they want to grow. Grow shareholder value. What we really want to do, how we really grow the game would be to say, hey, I'll give you an incentive if you bring out someone new. I'll give you free golf if you bring out two people that have never played. And I'll be able to see on the first tee if you're lying. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that is actually growing the game. For some reason, no one can figure that out. My goal with Random Golf Club is to put that into motion, is to create a world where there's like, you know, I mean, the Mad Scramble is a perfect example of it. I mean, every single time. Who's been playing golf the least amount of time? And it's always someone from 
two months ago or it's their first ever round. Yeah. It's it's always way, way more recent than you would ever expect. Yeah. And then you ask who's been playing golf the longest and someone raises their hand and says 53 years. Yeah. So, Brant, look, I don't know if what I said was true about your experience. And if I'm off base, I'm sorry. I, I do think I have an instinct around that stuff. And, you know, I mean, on my most impactful meetup wasn't the Nashville meetup. That was definitely the most exciting. But for me, being at the Bronx meetup at Van Cortland Park, the oldest public golf course in the country, a course that we filmed at, a course that I've played, that I knew people at, and having my parents there was like really wild because it was the first time they had like touched random golf club. They'd seen the videos, they'd seen the podcast, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use it to find out where I am in the world. They're like, yeah, it looks amazing. And having them there to like witness essentially the culmination of all of the days that I've been alive was really like emotional for me. Like there was multiple times where I was like, okay, lo- don't, don't lose it right now. Like, yeah, there were a couple moments there where, where you were, you were stepping outside of the, yeah. the job description, but that was <laughs> nice to see as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was really special to share that with them. I mean, you know, and like, I don't know, dude, like for most people that Eskimo, that person that got you into golf is usually a parent. In my case, it was my brother, and um, but but that but that concept of you know that like family orientation into the game, I have to imagine uh, was going through Brand's head, like, and that was probably weighing on him a little bit. And and what I'll say is uh, just thank you, Brand. Thank you for sharing that moment with us. And uh, yeah, welcome welcome to the family. You're you are in esteemed company, and uh, you'll always have. You'll always be a member of Random Golf Club, but you'll you'll always have that time with us, and and gratefully we'll always have that time with you. He's like more than a member; he's a god. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, like, if you could only one for hundred people, like, I'll call you a god. Yeah, he, he's definitely he's did, definitely earned it. How can you manage to manifest that much luck? You know what I love about golf is that uh, he hit the first shot in the next hole. <laughs> how was it? It was tight. It was pretty tight. <laughs> it was right? pretty tight. I think he was staring at it. He was he was staring it down. He wanted another one. Um, we have we have to run. We have a meetup to go to. Um, we probably have time for. I'm just going to speed run a couple cool. questions for you. Try to get through as many as possible. Um, someone just wrote the Detroit monsoon. By the way, That's yeah, just it was a monsoon. Not as a question. Just just wrote it. Uh, Kevin Moore. He was one of our pros in the four v one hundred. Just asked when we're coming back to Van Cortland so we can run it back. His hand finally stopped shaking. <laughs> Uh, that was fun. In, in Van Cortland, we did 100 random golfers in a scramble versus four scratch and mini tour golfers yeah. in a scramble. Yeah, Grant Horvat was one of them. Um, it was a pleasure. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, thanks, Grant and Scott. It was cool to hear the the, the established golfers, the, the scratch golfers, <coughs> who have all shot mid and low 60s at their best. It was really interesting to hear them just be like, that was like the most insane thing I've ever experienced. Most pressure they've ever experienced. <laughs> this is from Brady. Um, he was in Connecticut asking if Cowboy enjoyed the paleo cookies. Oh, he loved them, yeah. He was, yeah, he, was, he loved the cookies. He's all in. Mark, Mark Strotman, just a legacy member, um, just all the way in. What what meetup did he go to? Mark was in, uh, it was either Chicago or Milwaukee. Chicago, Milwaukee. I think it was Milwaukee. Um, asked if RV life was either easier, more difficult, or as grueling as we're all imagining it probably was. I didn't anticipate the odor of, <laughs> the constant odor of urine. It just really really set in yeah what's funny is it actually drowned out the farts and the crusty yeah, socks nothing else 
but but uh, you're I'm not in, sure that's a good thing. No, definitely. Ethan Ethan asks the the favorite golf fit that we saw on the tour. I have a couple that jumped him. Oh yeah, mine was Maxime's in Brunton the Bronx. Maxime had a great look. He actually complimented my shirt that day. Oh hell yeah! I will point out. I asked if we could trade. He thought about it for a second. What shirt are we wearing? I had my uh, Francis uh, Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd. Oh, the T. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Top. uh, Let's do. um, Ricky from Ricky from Nashville also had a good fit. Ryan, um, I thought that there's some old old guy fits that really went hard on the tour as well. Um, Ryan Ryan asked the longest round versus the shortest round. Don't know. Boston probably the longest that I was on. Yeah, Boston was long because we were we were doing something. Yeah, way into the night. Um, obviously. Yeah, finishing eagle eagle was pretty massive. Yeah, yeah, that was massive. Fourteen under, and then the last round, Nashville was short. Yeah, well, it was a like a par three course, and one of them we didn't have to putt on. Um, and then we got a question from Gage or Gadge. Uh, best and worst night of sleep. The last night was the worst night of sleep for me. Yeah, I don't think we can count that, but we'll call it that the worst okay. night of sleep. That was uh, first night was pretty tough. The first and last were pretty tough. <laughs> best night um, for me, like uh, two nights before the last night, just just really, really went. And then um, we had a hotel in the middle that was a really great night of sleep. Yeah, that is uh, that that really was. Nicholas asked, and this will end on this one because we really got to get to the meetup. Most unexpected thing you experienced during the tour? I guess the most unexpected thing was that. So many friends and family came out. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, so many friends throughout the years that that I've either like, you know, worked with or hung out with inside or outside of golf. So many friends that had been at old meetups, you know, um, uh, the guy that was in the Ross Bridge Break 90 video, you know, like um, Marco from the last DC meetup, you know what I mean? Like really was this sense of familiarity within a total unknown. Most of the golf courses I'd never been to. Um, but in Des Moines, I had breakfast with my aunt. You know what I mean? Like Cousin Mark came out. Cousin Mark came out. Like so many team members' family came out. Like your family came out. Like my parents came out. Cam's mom came out. Like it was that was definitely a very unexpected and not it wasn't like a narrative shift. It was an unknown thing. Like like the the community at large wasn't really involved in that, but it had an emotional impact to be like, wow, like the, these are the people that have been pushing us along for years. Yeah. Did I, t- did I tell you this, that, um, the last time I have two brothers, the last time the five people in my family were together was November of 2021. Wow. And then it, they, we were all together just for the meetup. Is I was in Connecticut the day before for my birthday, spending some time with my family, but my brother Jack was in the Smithsonian doing some research. And he came, he took the train up from D.C. just for the meetup to say hi. He's never touched a golf club in his life. <laughs> and so the, the, it, was, it was actually very, very worked out. It was very serendipitous. But that was the only time in years yeah. that we've all been in the same place because we're yeah. all over. And uh, I had college roommates come to three yeah. or four stops. Yeah. My favorite photo from the trip you took on this little um, Leica of my friend June's of me and, and me and two of my closest friends. People just came out and it, it was really special because you would just walk the course with them a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then I would send them off. I'd be like, I mean, I got to go do my job. And then, then they would just walk and kind of experience it. 
you know, as you talk about that, it really makes me think of like it's basically a pilgrimage. <laughs> yeah, like, was, we're just walking. It like, really we're not is walking, walking from yeah. course to course. Someone asked how many steps we took, and I did some math. Oh yeah. How many steps do you think we took on the whole tour? Seventy-two thousand. Higher. One hundred eighty thousand. Close, yeah. Hundred, hundred. I, th- I think I got to like two hundred five was my rough wow. approximation. Yeah, yeah. a lot of stepping. I also went for runs, so I got. I mean, I think I went. You I probably ran about fifteen up. miles over yeah. the course of the weeks. Yeah. One yeah. more event tonight. We're in Austin. Um, we'll, you know, keep your eyes on this space. Uh, we're going to Bandon in a couple months. We have a ton of videos coming out from the tour. Just a lot to be excited about. And uh, thanks everybody. Thanks for making the tour a huge success. If you came out, and if you didn't get a chance to, um, we'll see you on the left coast pretty soon.